be an old-fashioned street fight. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We brought the gloves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We got taped up. Yeah. It's the yeah. jam, girl. Yeah. And at the end, boom. Welcome in to the Short Haired Dog, home of your 8 and 1, 8th ranked Walford Terriers. I'm your host, Michael Bennett. Alongside me is my best friend slash brother, Kevin Bennett. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. Ready to ready to talk about some Terrier football. Uh, another week, another win, more frustration it seems like. Yeah, and another close win. Another close I win. I feel like we start this out the same way every time. Not just with the way we say stuff, but it seems like we're always coming off of a close win. Yeah, um, I, I guess it's better than coming off of bad losses or even close losses. Yeah, but you know, like you said, a little bit of frustration it, from from Walford fans. You know, you don't you don't want to be too negative considering you're eight and one, you're eighth ranked in FCS. I mean, nothing to be ashamed of, really. But you know, you just you you would like to see us play a complete game. And the reason it bothers us so bad here is that I think we're we're all all you know of the devout Walford fans pretty much know what a talented bunch we've got this year. And to see us kind of underachieve, if you will, play down to opponents, if you will, it's kind of frustrating after nine weeks of this. But, you know, to go against it, I will say that, you know, this team has the, I mean, they have a heart to win. I mean, they never quit. And I think it really shows you how, how good they really are because they're not playing to their potential and they're still eight and one. Yeah. Um, I think that really speaks to the kind of team, the kind of guys we have on this have on this team. Um, you know, they have a will to win. Um <laughs> albeit close. They're still doing it, they're getting it done. I've seen some I've seen some Walford fans that's a little extreme. They're they're going they're about to jump off the ledge. It's getting <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous. People need to calm down a little bit. I mean, we're still eight and one. Ranked number eight, and Mike, I don't remember the last time we were eight and one. Uh, was it was it oh three? Maybe I, I and it's got to be. I mean, because they lost a they lost to Air Force forty nine to nothing to start off that season, and then they won out until Delaware. So they had to be eight and one at some point in that season. So, I mean, I was thinking maybe a, a year that we played an FBS team late. I know we played South Carolina in this slot before. We, I don't think we're ever eight and one though. I don't I, think, I think so. We, I think we had a you know at least a couple blemishes on our record yeah. um, there, but you know, but you know, and I brought I bring up the O three team for this reason. This team reminds me a lot of the O three team, and I know I was ten at the time. Um, how old were you in O three? Eight, eight. eight. Mm -hmm. um, so I know people are like, oh, y'all were too young. Well, I went back and did a little bit of research. And while the scores were a little bit more lopsided, the Terriers were getting a little bit more lopsided wins, this team was a lot alike. Um, their defense was, you know, very good, could hold their own. And the offense, they weren't one of those that were extra flashy, not the typical Walford offense of the past. They were very good, but they didn't have a, they didn't have a rusher over 1,000 yards that season. 
Kevious Johnson was the leading rusher. He had around 850 yards. J.R. McNair had 650-something. I think Zoman had anywhere from five to 600. Trey Rogers had 300-and-something. And that's a lot like this Terrier team this year, a more balanced attack. And I feel like that's that's what the that's the way it was in 03 as well. Very balanced. This team, very balanced as well with Stoddard and Morgan and McAfee and Goodson and even Joe Newman. Very, very, you know, balanced attack and I see I see a lot of similarities between these two teams but Mike I'm hoping this one can go further than that 03 team and the thing that bothers me the most about it is like you said is that you know this this team does remind you a lot of that team you know although we were young we were there um and a lot yeah. of people can't say they were there at that point um as diehard Walford fans but we were nonetheless but you know Kevin I think that this team I know the 03 team a lot of times goes down as one of the best teams in Walford history, probably the best, sort of the one that get them on the map. And I think actually finished with the best record was, was it in school history uh, that that year. But I would have to say I think this team even has more talent. I think top oh, to bottom. No, yeah, no doubt. I think there's no question that this team has a ton more talent on both offense, defense, special teams. And you're looking at two and three deep of guys that could have played, I mean, either was near misses from being big-time recruits or – maybe were just kind of overlooked and, you know, they were maybe a little undersized and they ended up at Wofford. And these a lot of these players could end up very easily at mid-major teams like in the MAC or somewhere like that, but they chose to come to a winner from the FCS ranks. Well, I wasn't saying that to say that I thought the teams were on the same page, you know, skill-wise. I was just comparing the mentality how, of both of these yeah, teams. Yeah, and how the seasons have gone. How the seasons mm-hmm. have gone. And like I said, the now the 03 Terriers had more lopsided wins, more convincing wins, but they had a 7-6 to six win over Furman. Um, I think they had a, maybe a 19-14 to 14 or a 20-14 to 14 win over Georgia Southern. It was, I can't remember exactly the score, but it was kind of close. The App State win was relatively close. So there were some close wins in there, but I was kind of comparing the mentality of both of these teams. Like, regardless of how close the game is, how the flow of the game, those guys still feel like they're going to win, and they're mm-hmm. not going to let anything come between that. And while, I mean, I will admit, this season has been very frustrating because, like we say, we feel like we know the potential of this team. We haven't seen it yet, but that's what makes it so frustrating is knowing or thinking that we know what this team can do, and they're just you know making bonehead mistakes, mm-hmm. um, shooting themselves in the foot, doing things that – typical Walford teams haven't done in the past but you know the skill set of some of these players have still been able to overcome those adversities and still walk away with a dub albeit a frustrating and close one and the seven to six win you talking about that in 03 over Furman we were there for that one we were um I know Walford is a Methodist school but we grew up Baptist Mm -hmm. you know that's where we where we were still Baptist I guess um but you know we it was RA day at Furman. We used to go to all, and it always was Walford Furman. And I don't know if you know what RA is, but it's basically like a youth program from the Baptist church that basically like young boys are a part of. Royal Ambassadors. Royal Ambassadors, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a pledge, and you're kind of like the Boy Scouts, except you're like a church group. So anyway, we're over there for this game, and I remember this very vividly. Um, a guy in our group, and I was like, once, like I said, I was eight. Okay, another kid in our group who was older, who's actually older than you. Yeah, he's three or four years older than I am. Told yeah. me that if Walford, he, he, he said, do you think Walford's going to win? I said, absolutely. And he said, if Walford loses this game, you have to pull for Furman for the rest of your life. 
<laughs> and I believed him. I mean, being yeah. an eight-year-old and a 14-year-old tell you this, you, I mean, you're taking it for granted. Yeah. So, anyway, Wofford ends up winning in dramatic fashion. Was it like a blocked field goal, I think it maybe? was a blocked field goal. That, that yeah. ended up clinching that game. But I remember we got to walk on the field, and mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it was, it was, I mean, it was very, the field was very soft. The it grass was. was high. The there. grass was high, yeah. Um, and and I do remember that, and that was just a lot of fun. Um, you, you got to go through the whole the, like before the game, they'd have food and people talk, and it was a really good experience for a little kid. Well, thank the Lord that Walford won, or Adam Galt would have convinced you to be a Furman fan the rest, the rest of, of my life. And, yeah, uh, we'll get into this later. They've been uh, they've been chirping a little bit on the yeah. old Twittersphere, a, a little bit this week, but yeah. and you know that's that's really frustrating. And I know you Walford fans out there probably get tired of hearing it as much as we do. But it seems like these teams, they come onto the scene all of a sudden. They've not been very good lately at all. Uh, we, we saw it with Citadel the last couple years with them winning the SoCon. Just fans running their mouth when they really don't know what they're talking about anyway. And then you take into account that where have they been all these years that we've been going to the um, NCAA playoffs and all that good stuff and winning the SoCon. They've been in 7th and 8th and that kind of stuff. But now they get to chirp at us because they've won the SoCon two years in a row. So, but those days are over. They're not going to win it this year. No, they that, are That's not. for certain. And and similar with Furman. Furman's last good year, honestly, was in about 2005. Yeah. Um, since then, they've not been good. And even the year, I know everybody show, well, we won the SoCon Championship in 2013. Well, I don't really buy that because if you look, if you look at who was in the league at that time, uh, Mercer was what brand new. That was Mercer's what first year, maybe. I don't even know if they were in it yet. They I, may not have been in it yet. I think that was their first year, though. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Then you take into account uh, Appalachian State and uh, Georgia Southern. That was their last year, so they weren't even in contention for it. So they really were in a rebuilding stage. They really didn't care. Neither of those teams were that good that year. And then you take into us a team that was just decimated by injuries. Yep. They really had no real competition, and I think it was like I think them and Sanford might have tied. I'm not sure if, or maybe it was Chattanooga. I'm not sure. I was thinking it was maybe Elon, but I don't know. Yeah, I, it's I think hard to, it's hard I think to Elon was out that year, the year before. I think maybe, I don't know, but it, but nonetheless, that's not a big time accomplishment. I think they what got bounced first round, maybe. No, they they beat. I believe they beat Coastal in '03 in the playoffs, and they went to play North you mean Dakota in State. Thirteen, yeah, in thirteen, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So well. Nonetheless, they have nothing to be running their mouth about. I not mean, now. No. Not now. I mean, and, and I granted they've had a good season, and I'm not trying to knock them, but it, it just gets, like I said, it just gets old when you hear the same old jargon. You know, yeah, every year when a team automatically becomes good all of a sudden, the tweets start flying about, oh, we're God's gift to football. Well, really, uh, you know, yeah. I hadn't been seeing it the last, since I've been alive. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Furman, I mean I, Furman was good in the past, but for them, what we're what we're really getting at today is they put out this tweet earlier today, listing off all their SoCon championships and all this foolishness. And guys, we ain't talking about the past. <laughs> I don't care nothing about the past. We're talking about right now. Yeah. And right now, although y'all are tied with us, if we if the Terriers win on Saturday. They get the automatic bid to the playoffs, right. and we're the SoCon champs. And it was just the arrogance of it, saying that we're using that we love the 280 characters that you now get on Twitter. Yeah, because y'all are being cute, tagging all yeah. the all the SoCon oh, yeah. That's classy. Twitter accounts in there. Oh, congratulations, Twitter guy! So I don't know if you guys saw this, but our we decided to go ahead and fire back to them, and 
you know, even if we were talking about the past, Kevin, would you talk about the 80s and the 90s and all that stuff? Uh, nope. No, you wouldn't. Well, I would talk about things that I was at least could remember yeah. or alive for, for <laughs> right. that matter. And none of these, I mean, some of these players weren't even alive for most of these championships that they that they won. So you take into account, okay, uh, they've been in the league since 1936. Mm-hmm. Walford's been in since 1997, right? I believe so. So, I mean, we're, we're comparing apples and oranges. And then to, for them to act like that was just stupid. So we fired back with the last 15-year stats. I mean, Furman's won two in the last 15 years, 04 and 13, yeah. okay, which 13 was a crappy year. Uh, Congrats on that, by the way, Furman. Citadel. Really hang your hat on that 13 one. That <laughs> right. was a good one. Uh, you take, Stupid. You, you got Citadel, who's got as many as they do, Chattanooga, who's got more championships, and, of course, we're the leader with, what, four? Yeah. So just nothing really to talk about. That that was just a very idiotic move by their Twitter people. I don't. I guess they're trying to be cute, trying to act like they're tough and all this stuff, but uh, I'm not buying it. And I, I, are we are we ready to pick? Are we ready to pick for them to to go down to somebody yet? Have, uh, have, have you? I mean, do you think Citadel can do can do it? I see. I kind of think Citadel played their best game of the year against us. I think Sanford's going to get them. Really? I think so. I, I've kind of got that feeling too that I think they're going to go down at some point. And it's kind of like here recently they've been, they've been so quiet as they've made their way to their record. They've lost what. I think they've lost three games. They lost to an Elon team that's ranked in the top ten. Yeah. They lost to us, who's ranked in the top ten, and then they lose to NC State, I believe. Yeah. So you take those three losses, which aren't bad losses. They've had a great season, not to take that away from them, but I think that them being quiet and under the radar has helped them to this point. Now that you start running your mouth, something may happen. Yeah. Uh, you, you may get exposed. So be careful who you're tagging in what tweets, because that's mm-hmm. not a very... That's not a wise move, in my opinion. Or you know what? Keep it up. Yeah, keep, keep them it. going. You know what? That, they may just you know fuel the rivalry. Let's get it back. <laughs> get it back. Keep going, <laughs> Furman Twitter guy. <laughs> keep doing the good work. But I'll tell you what, Mike. That's enough talk about Furman. I don't want to talk about them anymore. They're irrelevant to this past Saturday. Let's get back into the Terriers. We mentioned a win to improve to 8-1 and on the season. The Terriers get a 24-21 to win in double overtime over the Chattanooga Mocs at Gibbs Stadium on Senior Day, um, Mike, we were we were looking through you know the list of seniors, and I was surprised at a couple of the names I saw. One of which is Ellis Pace. I guess he's been there longer than I thought. That one may have made sense, but the other two are offensive linemen Ross Demmel and and Jared Jake and Duffy. I don't I don't think they're seniors. Are they? I mean, like, I mean obviously they are, but. Did maybe, what? Did I miss a year somewhere? See, I, I here was my thought, and maybe maybe I'm completely wrong, but I remember up at Clemson. I think it was what year, 2015, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah, year before last, and Goodson got the start at quarterback, which at the time was a very confusing thing. Uh, very confusing process, considering he hasn't he hadn't played at all. Uh, so anyway. Goodson starting at quarterback, and we have an injury, a couple injuries there early in the game. We lose left tackle Mike Jones, who came in, and it was kind of an all-so. People forget about him because Ross has been so good. But in all reality, Mike Jones had the capability of being an all-so-con type guy. Yeah, uh, He goes down in that first game along with E.J. Speller. E.J. Speller's was career-ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ross comes in, and I wanted to say Ross at that time was a freshman. 
Maybe he was a redshirt freshman, or maybe he was a sophomore, and I just don't know what I'm talking about. But I could have sworn he was a freshman. So, let's see, 15, 16, 17. He should only be a junior, right? I thought. But, may, like I said, maybe I was completely mis, misinformed. And, I'm you know, sure. it may be one of those things where they've completed all their courses mm-hmm. and they're just ready to, you know, move on. Yeah. They don't see maybe a, uh, obviously probably not a professional career in football, and mm-hmm. maybe they're just ready to, you know, go out and, Start a life, start a family, do what they need to do. And and, and you may see a similar thing like David Marvin. You, you may, you may yeah. go somewhere else. And although I hate that Marvin went there and it's not getting to kick. No. That sucks. And you're watching those other guys kick and you're like, come on, man, why can't we get some Marvin action? Yeah, I mean, Georgia's got that Blankenship guy. It's hard for me to believe that Marvin was under the impression that he was going to go and, and start over Blankenship at, at kicker. But, you know, I guess he just wanted to play for an, an SEC team. And, shoot, he might get an SEC championship ring out of the deal. I mean, that's cool and all, but, I, you know, I was kind of under the thing that he got the scholarship, you know, to, to come in as, as a graduate uh, transfer, and then Blankenship was like a walk-on, and he didn't get his scholarship, so I sort of thought Marvin would get a chance, but mm. nonetheless, I was wrong. Yeah. So we mentioned Senior Day uh, to get back into the game here, 24-21 to 21 win over Chattanooga on Senior Day. Uh, Mike, we had some had some recommendations, you know, to maybe not go through the go through the scoring drives and things like that. So I'll tell you what, we'll switch it up. We'll just go and run through the box score and kind of go through, you know, who did what for the Terriers, kind of get into the team totals, and then we'll just get into your we'll get into your thoughts. And I the reason why I say your thoughts is I was in a wedding this past week um, and I was unable to make it to Gibbs Stadium to the game. I could I did not see any of it. I was driving down to Columbia and back, so I did not get to see any of the game. I went back and watched a good part of it, um, but I was was not there in person. I didn't see it there in person, so I'll get some of your more of your takes today. I'll kind of kind of facilitate it, but to get into the box score here, first downs Terriers were down by five in that category, eighteen to thirteen in favor of Chattanooga. Um, and those, I mean, I'm looking now at the passing yardage, Mike. Seems to be. Like a lot of Dinkin and Duncan, um, the the passing for Chattanooga twenty seven for thirty nine with one interception. That one being very costly, but for only two hundred and one total yards passing. So twenty seven completions for two hundred and one yards. Um, that's less than ten yards a, a completion. So a lot of Dinkin Duncan out there. Terriers had forty five yards passing on five of nine uh, attempts. Uh, total offense. 300 on the dot for Chattanooga, 300 total yards, um, and that's adding in 99 rushing yards. Uh, Total yards for the Terriers, 233. That's 188 rushing. So the Terriers were outgained by 67 yards on the day as well. Um, Chattanooga run 12 more plays. They averaged .3 yards more per play, uh, but they did fumble twice, losing one. So the Terriers did get two turnovers, that one interception at the end of the game proving very costly for the mocks. And then penalties, uh, both teams with five, but a lot of small five-yard penalties for Chattanooga they had five penalties for 25 yards. The Terriers, five penalties for 67 yards. So more of the Terriers' self-inflicted wounds, more penalties. Mike, we need to look it up. Maybe I can get it pulled up here before before the end of the show, but... So many penalties for this team. I mean, I know one, Goodson had what, I think it was a 51-yard pass. 
taken back due to a penalty. He ran one for 30-something yards, brought back due to a penalty. All the big plays, the potential that we had to gain yards was brought back due to penalty, and that's one reason why we were outgained by 67 yards on the day. Yeah, I mean, the offense really didn't do much at all. It was it was brutal for the most part of the game. And, I, you know, I hate to say that uh, because there was some bright spots. I mean, we once again, we saw some very good blocking on the perimeter. The receivers, they bring it every game. Um, and, and at times, uh, Stoddard got going a little bit, but it was just still – it was like we couldn't – as soon as we take one step forward, we'd take two back. Uh, and that seemed to be the theme most of the day. I mean, if you take out the – what was it? the? I think it was on a screen pass over there. I think maybe Devin Watson might have stripped the ball away over there on the sideline. And so we recovered at what? Maybe their 20-yard line, something like that. So that's really not a, a complete drive. They pretty much gave us – spotted us that touchdown. Right. Other than that, we had one drive that was very successful – other than that, it, it was bad. And, and, you know, a lot of it has to do with just not executing. A lot of blown assignments, stuff that wasn't even called, you know, like flag, flag-wise, it was just blown assignments, just letting guys come through the line, blowing plays up. It was just sort of an odd thing. I, and granted, now Chattanooga's defensive front was massive. Yeah, I, I, I will the, say I that. I noticed that on the film. They were huge. Yeah, and they were all wearing like single digits, which was I made them look even bigger. But I don't know exactly the numbers that those guys were, but they were huge. And I, I think the problem with Chattanooga all year has been their offense. Their mm-hmm. defense is still a very good unit. They're they're the Chattanooga defense of the past. Yeah, they're very good. And I mean, that had something to do with it. Oh yeah, with the Terrier struggling. Sure. And Mike, you were telling me this. Uh, I think it was Sunday at lunch about what you heard from the Chattanooga sideline on one play. Kind of go over what you what you noticed. So I, I'm pretty sure it was Ellis Pace. And if you were in the stadium, you might have heard the, a similar thing. And he came in motion, and then all of a sudden it was like they heard. I, I thought, now maybe I'm completely wrong. If somebody on the message board or, or something might have heard it differently, please correct me. But I'm pretty sure that I heard him say, trap, trap, trap over on the sidelines, and it was sort of that Walford, you you know, the second man through type play where we've got the pulling guard and that sort of deal. We've ran it for, you know, the last 20 years. And they snuffed it out, didn't get anything. Um, and, and as soon as he came in motion, you know, there sometimes will be set up in the wing bone, a, tail, a, a halfback come in motion and then go back and reset. Well, as he went back to reset, that's when the whole uh, Chattanooga sideline started that trap, what I thought they said trap. Um, and nonetheless, they snuffed it out. They didn't gain anything. So I don't know if we're just being that predictable. Maybe they just did a very good job on film of knowing what was coming. Maybe they just guessed. I don't know. But nonetheless, it was a very loud. It's interesting. It, it is interesting. It's it was an interesting a, little tidbit there. It, it is. And um, there was some some odd stuff uh, with our plays. It just It's like sometimes we weren't sure. I don't know if we were sure who was supposed to get it. Uh just a lot of confusion. Um, we also got some chop blocks, which I know a lot of people boo about the chop block calls and stuff like that, but that was blatant. Uh, Stoddard absolutely killed somebody. I mean, he could have broke his leg. Uh, he chopped somebody so hard. I mean, he was low high him just, I mean, that was textbook chop block. Uh, and, and Stoddard got called for a couple penalties, and that's something that's, you. I don't know that I've ever, I don't remember him getting called for very many in his career. Well, you don't see many Wofford running backs, period, get ever called get for penalties. Any. 
because they have it such down to a science on how right. to, on how to you know chip those guys and, and block mm-hmm. those ends coming off the off the edge. But yeah, Mike, I mean it's just more uncharacteristic things by the Terriers, and, and I have it pulled up here, Mike. The opponents this year against the Terriers have committed thirty eight penalties for two hundred ninety six yards. The Terriers, on the other hand, fifty penalties for four hundred and seventy two <laughs> yards. And and that's what gets me, Kevin. Like we'll we get. The other team will get five-yard penalties. No, no. We get 15-yard tack-ons. We right. get 15-yarders that wipe out huge plays. And that's – it's just the way we've been this year. And it, it's hard – at times it's just like, come on, guys. You just – you want them to do so well. And, you know, I, and I get it. I get it, guys. It's hard to win in college football, okay, because we're getting every team's best shot. Uh, this is unfamiliar territory. I know this is uncharacteristic, like you said, to do this many penalties, but – this is unlikely territory for the Terriers. We're not been the favorite a whole bunch over the last twenty years or so. So you know that that was it was it was kind of discouraging. You know, getting back to the penalties, something that I've thought about. You know, the referees now have an opportunity to go back and watch film, and they get to watch and say, "Hey, this Walford guy, he's chop blocking every other play." I think they're sort of looking at looking for stuff for Walford. Yeah. I think we run such a complex offense that they're really focusing on the linemen. The linemen have got hammered with penalties this year. Mm-hmm. I mean it's been it's been big time. And it's a young group. It is. Um I know that we mentioned those seniors, but we still got some guys that have not played very much. Even guys that are even older haven't played a whole ton. No. Uh, Chuck Rouse has played I mean, he played a good bit last year, but still not he's not been the primary guy um very long. Um you know, Jarosati's a, a redshirt freshman. Yeah, and he and he played a good bit for Rue. Rue uh, just wasn't quite right, and I think he's just dealing with that injury. And I just, I, you know, and we'll get back to Rue. I got an interesting take on that one too. Yeah. Um, but and also you got uh, Michael Ralph Berger, guys like that that are getting a good bit of good a, a good bit of run, who hadn't played a whole ton. So yeah. And then you you take into account. You know, everybody likes to think because Blake Morgan and and McAfee are you know have played that they're very old. They're very they're really not. Morgan's what a sophomore, and what's McAfee a junior? He's a junior. Yeah. So I mean, but they're they're not like they're a fifth year senior or something like that. So these guys are true, you know, juniors and sophomores. So yeah. and some of which haven't played. So yeah, like you said, it's a young group, but um, the the offense. It didn't help the defense any, but to me, the defense really didn't help themselves a whole ton, a whole bunch either. Well, Mike, I noticed this, and I thought maybe I was going crazy watching the watching the film, but were they? It looked to me like they were switching out guys after every play on the defensive line. What is that about? Well, they were switching guys all over the field a lot to get into that nickel package, and, and a lot of times they would take Devin Watson out, insert Dominique Lemon, and take another. Uh, outside linebacker out and put in Graham Massey, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, but I'm the, defensive on the defensive line. Defensive absolutely. Line. I was I was getting to that. The defensive line, it was confusing. I, I'm not sure exactly what what their thinking was. I mean, it was every single play. For about one quarter, every single play on defense, they were switching a defensive lineman out. And Mike, I'm not sure that I saw Miles Brown and Tyler Vaughn on the field more than maybe ten snaps. Not a and, ton. And here's the thing. I know Mikel Horton's out you know, he's got mono, and I saw today where they think he may be back if they could make it to the second-round game in the playoffs, which would be huge. Mm-hmm. But you start Priester, the freshman. Um, but does Horton make that big of a difference where you just have to start rotating defensive linemen in and out? I mean, to me, having Vaughn and Miles Brown on the field at the same time gives mm-hmm. you the best chance. And maybe I'm missing something. Maybe yeah. I don't see it. Well, But I just – 
they're too good out there together to not have them out there at the same time. We've seen the we've seen the defensive line rotation out of the Terriers before. Mm-hmm. This is not new, but it's one guy at a time. Right. Most times, like like last year, for instance, the Chris Boudreaux and Boston Bryant and Thad Mangum would come in and switch out for Horton and Miles Brown and Vaughn. Yeah. That's not happening in this game. Uh, we'd have times where. Uh, Brandon Zamari would come in. No, no, no knock on him. Yeah. But the thing is, you're, you're bringing them out one at a time. And our dad brought this up at the game, which I thought was a really good point. It can't be about keeping them fresh because they're running their legs off, running off, honing off the field against yeah. that up-tempo offense. So it's really confusing. I, I'd like to know what the coaches were seeing there. And like I said, maybe they've got a great plan to it. Maybe we just don't get it. But I, that is something that I did, did notice at the game, which sort of was frustrating at times, especially when – this team ran it on us more yeah. than a lot of teams have, especially up the middle. And I know you're missing a an all SoCon caliber guy in Mikael Horton, but still, when you got guys in, when you're taking guys in and out, in and out, it sort of it feels like they're just not getting in a rhythm out there. Well, here's the thing: is that they say, okay, well, here comes in Thad Mangum, and then you look up next play, up oh, here's Brandon Curtis. And then yeah, they're just running in yeah. and out, and, and not this... that these guys are bombs; they're very capable. Yeah, defensive but then linemen. all of a sudden, the next play, Tyler Bones coming, right? In. And then the just... next play, Miles Brown's coming. I... It's just like a it's like yeah, musical it's a, chairs. I know, there. and I just don't understand it. To me, you try to get everybody out there fresh at the same time. Yeah. I would think, you know, and when everybody gets tired, pull them, bring a whole new fresh group in. That's been the that's, scheme in the past. Because that's what we've done in the past. But you know, got a new coordinator. Maybe it's different. I don't. Mm. I don't know. It's confusing. It I, confusing. I have to say, I I've never seen that to my knowledge. And maybe they've been doing it for years, and I've just been too dumb to figure it out. But I've really been trying to pay attention to that this year, and. Um, I don't know, man. It was now. Now, Mike, I want to give a shout out to one Terrier player on the defensive side of the ball who kind of got thrown into action. Um, of course, Dotavius Wilson goes down with an injury, and you said that he was moving around decently on the sideline. So hopefully, he's not hurt too bad. I yeah. haven't seen anything on the board to indicate that he's hurt too bad. I haven't seen any anything where it's a significant injury. But I want to give props to Billy Hinton. He yeah. went out there and played great when he got in. Um, seemed like he was always around the ball, had his head in there, making the tackle or in on the tackle some kind of way. So I want to give props to Billy Hinton. He kind of got thrust into action last year as well. Because um, really, Dontavius Wilson, he wasn't expected to play much last season, and he had to um, due to some injuries on the inside on the inside linebacker position. Uh, and Billy Hinton got in last year when Wilson was banged up. And again, this year, Hinton goes in. And, and I thought, and like I said, I wasn't there in person to really – you know, see some of the lanes that he was filling, some of the holes and stuff that he was converging on. But it looked to me like when I was going back watching the replay that he was making some plays out there. Oh, he did, and he made one really big play. I think it would be knocked down a pass maybe, I think, or, or made a big tackle. But, yeah, he's he's that guy. He's going to get in there and plug and play his spot. And, Kevin, I think I'm not trying to, you know, make you feel stupid or anything, but I'm trying to I – th- I think you might be thinking about Lincoln Stewart. Okay. About the guy – because Dottavious Wilson started out as the yeah, as right. the guy. The John Patterson injury is what got Lincoln in there. Gotcha. I know there's so many inside linebackers, you just can't keep them straight. But, anyway, Billy Hinton got in, I think, last year for in the Citadel game and maybe the end of the Charleston Southern game. Yes. Because um, cause actually they thought the Lincoln Stewart injury was a lot more serious than it was. Right. And then he ended up playing at the Citadel, but mm-hmm. Hinton was still in there platooning. But right. you're right. Billy Hinton's done a good job. And uh, it just goes to show you the depth that these coaches have been able to get here at Walford. I mean, it's it's really remarkable for a school this size, um, for a program you know, to be no bigger than we are, 
to get the guys that we've got is pretty impressive. Because honestly, last year Billy Hinton would have been what fourth string. Yeah, Colton Clemens would have been third string, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you look at how good talented those guys are. You know what we're dealing with. You know what kind of guys we got. And I noticed that um, John Patterson is was on the program, and I yeah. thought, man, that's sad. You know, uh, John Patterson was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know how Detavious Wilson's been all over the place the last couple of years for you people that's new to Walford. Um, John Patterson was that guy early on in his career. Man, he was a he was a headhunter out there. I mean, he, I think he led the team in tackles um, a season or two. Uh, and you just hate to you hate to see him go down. But that was I mean, he's just lucky to be alive. He didn't yeah. be up and, and be healthy. And and certainly we don't you know not saying that he should go out there and try it because the doctors have said that's not a good idea considering that was a terrible neck injury. But um, I just thought that was pretty sad. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> you just hate to see. I mean, football is fun. I mean, we love it. And we want to win every game, but when it's like life threatening or or like Zach Miller, where they all, they had to do emergency surgery yeah. to even save his leg, right? I mean, and what are we like, doing here, guys? Yeah, and like Michael Roach last year in the opener. I mean, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, that there's never a place for that in in this because in this game and an emphasis on game because that's that's essentially what it is. I know we're crazy about it and and we want to win and all that good stuff, but that's still just it's it's tough. I mean, we've seen injuries like that before with different guys and. Um, but we're just glad he's able to still help out with the team as good as he can, even even though he's been down injured. Yeah, and I mean, we say all this, and we said it before we really got into the game analysis and everything. While it's frustrating, it was still a win. Absolutely. And another heart, I mean, just a heart-wrenching win where you're just on the edge of your seat. I mean, I was sitting here, I knew the outcome of the game, mm-hmm. and I was still watching overtime like, oh, boy, I mean, I was getting pumped up just watching it, so I can't imagine – being there and and seeing it, but it's just like every week. So <laughs> I, well, I mean, one way to look at it is whatever close, close you know situation in a game comes up for the Terriers. I promise you, they've seen it. Yeah, they've I feel played confident. It and they've overcome. Yeah, it. that's right. And I feel confident if it's a close game. And that's you know, I, I, I was joking around with some of our uh, Gamecock fan friends talking about. You know, we've played some close games at South Carolina before and kind of crumbled in the last yeah. the last couple minutes in, in those games. But I've told them, I said, if this is a close game with South Carolina, the Gamecocks might be in trouble. Yeah. Because this team has a way of overcoming adversity and, and doing a good job. Um, but, you know, been a good season, and, and we love it. I mean, the thing about it is the – the close games are frustrating, and it, and it's even frustrating for the players. Like, for instance, one it was on a fourth down attempt. Walford didn't get it. I don't know exactly what happens, but I noticed as, we're coming, as, the, as the offense is coming off to the sideline, I think we had a media timeout. So all the defense, you know, the starting defense, along with all the defensive players, are kind of out in a big huddle on the field. And the offense is making their way to the far bench, the one closest to the video board. And I noticed as they're heading, I think Terrence Morris might have said something to Rue Daniels, and he was mad. Uh, he was obviously screaming at him. I don't know if that was serious or joking or, you know, what what that was about. But all I know was Rue was pissed off, and he went to the bench. So we're not the only ones frustrated here, guys. It's it's everybody's frustrated. I, these players, they're as frustrated as anybody, and they wanna they wanna do they wanna go and get the monkey off their back, if you will, as much as anybody. It's not like they're out there saying. Oh, well, let's see if we can make this a close one. No, that's not what they're trying to do. I it's mean, just, they want to go beat the piss they, out of somebody. They want to go kill somebody. Yeah. And, it's, and like I said, Kevin, I still believe it's going to happen at some point. We've got to kill somebody. Well, Mike, i tell you what we need to do. And we haven't done this in the past. I thought uh-huh. this would be this would be new. To preview our upcoming opponent, we'll kind of go through 
the other team's season stats, kind of what they what they've done, and kind of see some players that we need to you know keep mm-hmm. an eye on. Now I'll say that to say this: after what you're saying, maybe this is a maybe this is a game. Maybe where this we can, is their time. Yeah, BMI is zero and ten. Mm-hmm. They are terrible. I was looking at some of their some of their stats here on the season. They're being outscored three hundred and sixty three to seventy four. Wow. Um, so uh, <laughs> not great. Not too. Not great. Not too strong. Um, their leading rusher is Daz Palmer. He has three hundred and thirty five yards and one touchdown. Uh, their next leading rusher has 191. That's Tyane Smith. And then Alex Ramsey has 117 yards. Uh, moving into the quarterback, Duncan Hodges is their quarterback. Duncan Hodges, he is 87 for 159 on the season. That's at 54% completion rate. <laughs> Three touchdowns compared to 10 <laughs> interceptions. So, Not too uh, good. And, and he's Mr. New, Hodges is having a tough... And I think he's a new starter. I, he maybe. might have played some last year, but I know they had Al Cobb last year, yeah. who was a good passer, actually. Yeah, he even, was a even good at, quarterback. Even at VMI, did a pretty good job, so... Yeah, VMI's not very strong. Hey, Kevin, if you can, I know you got the stats there in front of you. Look up, there, there's like a linebacker who's like leads the SOCON in tackles or something. Okay. Who's very good. I don't know. Yeah. If you say his name, I'll know it, but I can't. It is Alan Kratzenberg. I he has so. 108 tackles on the season. Yeah. And uh, six tackles for loss. Um, so. Alan Kratzenberg, number forty-six. Yeah, I'm guessing he's got to be an inside linebacker. I mean, he's got to be, and it, of course, with how they've been, he may be a deep safety considering how <laughs> That's a good the point. season they've had. But That's a good point. no, he. I mean, he's getting some serious cred. Yeah, from around the conference, from different writers, I've been kind of reading up on him and. That's always the person that they bring up when they talk about VMI. Now, Mike, you said this. You know, we we said they're awful. And you said it may be there. He may be a safety. They have two more guys on here. Ryan Francis, number forty-four. He has ninety-seven tackles, and then Greg Sanders has eighty-eight. Uh, so they have three guys over <laughs> at, with at least eighty-eight tackles on the season, which means that defense has on the, been on the field a lot. Oh yeah. Yeah. They've had a lot of opportunities to make tackles. Uh, yeah. I mean, when your offense puts up 73 points in 10 games, that's, that's, that's uh, less than, I mean, that's 7.3. Yeah. Right? You're getting one touch a game. That's, Good job, Kidets. Is that what they are? Yeah, the Kidets. That's what I thought. But, you know, I mean. And, you know, we're saying this. But but, but as soon as we say this, we'll. We'll squeak we'll out s- a 21 to <laughs> 20 win. <laughs> In quadruple overtime. And, <laughs> no, it, but, you know, that reminds me. You know, we talked about already the one Furman tweet. Yeah. The other one was from a guy who was like, I don't know, like a third string offensive lineman. I think he's out for the year as an ACL injury something he's had surgery because his profile picture is like him sitting in the hospital Aww. so you know get well soon get buddy. get well soon pal best wishes from the short-haired dog so right so anyway i've seen some walford fans and even some walford players giving him some crap which he, he his tweet was pretty was a shot at the terriers kind of but i think we're gonna we might have a difference of opinion here with with you guys here from the short-haired dog i know we've discussed it and we're gonna let our listeners in on this too the tweet said Walford would find a way if they even if they were playing a high school team they'd find a way to win in double overtime. That was kind of the the gist of his tweet. Yeah, that's that's essentially what he said. So here's my thoughts on it. Now, if this was a true shot at Walford, I think he would have made the comment like Walford's the luckiest team in the world or something like that. Yeah, they're not that great. See, and, and granted, I, I, it is a shot in that that we do winning these just crazy close games, but. I think he obviously knows we're good. 
Yeah. Because otherwise he wouldn't say a high school team because he knows we're clearly better than these teams we're squeaking by. So I think there's more respect in that tweet than we're giving him credit for. Yeah, what what we're trying to say is we weren't really piling on him. We were like, no, ah, that's kind of funny. That's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, it, it is true this year. I mean, you can't say otherwise. And I think he even knows, even being a Furman player, knows how talented this Wofford team is. Yeah. And they've done, I mean, they have piddled around. But I've seen where some of the Wofford guys, well, we beat y'all the last three years and things like that. So, Good job, Wofford players, standing your ground. But but once again, I, I think he's there's a lot more respect there than than a lot of people's giving him credit for. Yeah, yeah. So three guys to keep an eye on on the defensive side of the ball. Number forty six, Allen Kratzenberg with hundred and eight tackles on the season so far. Ryan Francis, number forty four, with ninety seven, and number fourteen, Greg Sanders with eighty eight tackles on the season. Moving back into on the offensive side of the ball, Mike, uh, receiving wise. They have three guys with over 20 catches. Rohan Martin with 24, Daz Palmer with 23, and Chris Thornton with 21. Um, one combined touchdown between their top three receivers. Mm. VMI struggling. Yeah. And I say all this to say I want to see the Terriers go out and really thump them. And I want to see Mike Ayers smile. Mike, I want to see a smile from <laughs> Coach Ayers because we were talking about this. I don't remember the last time I've seen Coach Ayers smile. Oh, if it's over under one and a half, I'm going to take the under. <laughs> Permanent scout. Well, I mean, you're you're right. The only picture I've really seen Mike smiling in is literally like a picture. I think when the basketball team was at like doing the selection show, yeah. and you know how they have it there at, on campus, mm-hmm. and everybody's there and all that good stuff. And I think Mike Young had him like in a headlock, sorta. <laughs> I think Ayers had on like a camouflage hat, and yeah. he was smiling. Okay. But I think that's about it. I mean, you don't ever see this always that just mean, awful. And he may be a quick grin, maybe like a half grin, but a full-on teethy smile, that's the only one I believe I've ever seen for Mike. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see a full-tooth grin from Coach Ayers. I mean, he's a, he's a, he is a straight-laced, he, no-nonsense, he's intense. serious guy. And that story from Michael Hobbs <laughs> about the karate class... I laugh every time I listen. It's to hilarious because that is hilarious. Oh, it is. Now, and he was right. He should have known better than to, to, to take that class. <laughs> but he was a freshman, so he, he was <laughs> He's like, like oh, "I'm gonna take with a football coach." And <laughs> Didn't wrong. This was not football 101 from <laughs> yeah. high school. But no, I I think he might have smiled when he spoke at Baptist Men's Day at our church. He did do that. I may maybe smile. May remember a smile. Because he was kind of intense there too. He w- he was intense. If you ever need a speaker to want you make you want to run through a wall, just hire Coach Ayers up. He's he he'll do it. I'm telling you. And I was so I was one so in awe and intimidated <laughs> that I was scared to really go up and kind of shake I his hand. I actually talked to him service. and his wife. Yeah, they I were did nice. too. I shook his hand. I was like, "How you doing, Coach Ayers?" But I was <laughs> I was a little nervous. Well, he's just imposing. He's, he is. I mean, I'm a big guy. I'm clearly much bigger than he is. Yeah. And he's well, very intimidating. I feel like me and him, we're we're kind of the same build of a guy. You obviously are a big guy, but he can make. I mean, he, you we know he can, he can bring really, the biggest of men. We've down. seen him chew out a lot of big offensive linemen, <laughs> so we yeah. know that he's not scared of anything. Very straight laced, and I, I want to see him. I really want to see him smile. And he has a black belt in karate. Like we're joking about the karate class, but my man actually knows karate. Yes, like he could. 
he could roundhouse kick you in the dome anytime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he'd be like straight to the jail. He'd be like, like "Did you smart mouth me?" Yeah. <laughs> and whoop out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a size twelve. Yeah, right to the snot. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I mean, he's tough. I'm, t- I'm telling you, Mike could still do it. Like he's <laughs> he, he's like he's like he's meek almost. He's got all that strength, but it's like under control. Yeah. I mean, I, I really think he's. I mean, he's just an imposing presence. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that. He, to be honest, when I was a little kid, and if, like we'd go to like the meet and greet stuff with the team, I was kind of scared of him. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, and I'm still kind of scared of him. And I'm a grown man, but well, that's one good thing. I, I feel like you have to. Uh, yeah, they're the good coaches. You got to be kind of scared of them. Yeah, I guarantee you, Jalen Hurts is a little bit scared of Nick Saban. Because oh yeah, Saban's a little crazy, <laughs> and like you just take all the top coaches like Belichick. Same way. I yeah. guarantee you, Tom Brady, although he could do no wrong in <laughs> Belichick's eyes, I'm sure, he's probably still a, uh, maybe I should maybe cross not. old Bill today. Yeah, yeah. Right. Let him sip his orange juice before <laughs> noon. Yeah. Let's yeah. just, yeah. I know, like, and the thing about Saban is he's more, like, chattery. Yeah. Like, he'll throw you under the bus. Ayers yeah. is not going to do that. Nope. He, like, like he's going to take, he's going to take the blame for a loss, mm-hmm. and then with a win, he's going to give the credit to the players. Right. And, yeah. but, but the difference is, like, they're still scared of him, I think. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe on the low. Yeah. Um, but, and that's the difference because, I mean, Saban will blast you. You know, Ayers is not going to do that. He no. might do it in his office maybe that we don't hear about, but I, I don't think so. Now, one good thing about Terrier Vision, and we do we do appreciate that because I, I went back and was able to watch it on Sunday, uh, the game highlights from Chattanooga before I went back and watched some of the actual game. I, the Terrier Vision people do a good job at Walford. Uh, the media team in general does does very good job. Um, but they've kind of taken us in there to the post game interviews with Coach Ayers, and what is it called? Hambone? Is that what yes. it is? What is that? I, I don't know. We're gonna have to get another player interview to kind of explain <laughs> yeah. that because to I me mean, it's hilarious. I, but it's I have very no funny, idea what's going on. I'm, I'm like, not what sure. is happening here? Apparently, it's just kind of a Walford thing. They've been doing it for years. It's and the players seem to be very engaged. I'm like, I what just, in the heck is this? Yeah, I mean. I mean, when he hear when you hear him say, "Daddy's gonna buy me a new Chevrolet," oh. I mean, everybody's laughing and yeah. like cutting up. Some people are taking it very seriously, and yeah. others are like, kind of like we are, like, "What? What is going on here?" But that's a, that speaks to Coach Ayers. He's finding ways to motivate these guys. Everybody's scared to say they don't. Like yeah, it. nobody's gonna say, "What are you doing, Coach?" Ayers? Yeah, Coach he's going he's gonna give you a. Judy chop right to the Adam's out. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. A roundhouse kick to the dome. <laughs> Straight to the dome. I'm telling you. like I love Coach Ayers. I do too. Man, it's, I love him. It's funny. But we got to get more players on and get more Coach Ayers stories. Because that, oh, yeah. that karate one and then the one of him just demolishing that wooden box is so Coach Ayers. And I, I wish we could get an old, uh, older guy maybe when he was younger and had <laughs> a little more spry. And, yeah, that's you know, exactly. Not yeah. throw his head through dumpsters before he was yeah. a grandpa, you know. <laughs> yeah. And not there, not there's anything wrong with being a grandpa, uh, but I'm just saying there's a lot of great grandpas in this world. The great a lot of great grandpas coaching. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, but yep. um, I'm just I'm just trying to think of when he was young and really fiery. Cause we don't want we don't want him destroying anything <laughs> right now at this age. Right. I mean, you look at like people like our dad. When he was younger, he was a lot more fiery than he is now. Yeah. You kind of mellow down as you get older. I mean, Mike is so intense now. Can you imagine when he was like 40, what he was like? You know, like, I'm just trying to think of, you know, he would have to be a scary man. Mm-hmm. Still a scary man. But I tell you what, Mike, <laughs> now, to kind of round out what we're doing here, um, let's go over it real quick. The Terriers playing VMI in Virginia. 
Um, what town is that in in Virginia? Lexington. Lexington, Virginia. Uh, the 0-10 Kedets will be hosting the 8-1 number 8 ranked Walford Terriers. With a win, the Terriers will clinch postseason berth and the automatic bid from the Southern Conference. Um, I mean, it goes without saying it's a must win. BMI, not very good. They've struggled all year. The Terriers need to go handle business. Let's hope that they can go out, make this one easy, and then get prepared for South Carolina, maybe looking for an upset. Now, Mike, we had a, we had a person um, kind of recommend to us for the show, maybe show some insight on some things that people don't hear about a lot. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned this to me, I think it was or probably around a month ago when we were we were talking about the Walford quarterback situation. And the third string quarterback, he's the holder, um, number four, Miller Mosley. He's a transfer from the Air Force Academy. And Mike, you said that you saw that he and Austin McPherson were teammates in high school. Yeah, they were. So that's that's interesting. We may at some point see those two in the backfield at the same time again yeah. on the college level. I know I'm not sure what high school you know they're it was, from. It was some like Saint something. I knew. I think maybe something Episcopal or something. It was in Alabama. Okay. Um, make sure you look that up. I know you're pulling it up on your computer now. But yeah, they were actually high school teammates. And uh, Mosley was the quarterback. You know, later on in his career, but McPherson was the was the quarterback. I mean, the was the the starting running back as an eighth grader. Wow. As an eighth grader. Yeah. Actually, he was in... So that's five years on the varsity. Yeah, and, I, and Kevin, you can look uh, look at McPherson's bio, but I'm pretty sure he was in, I think, Sports Illustrated maybe because his first start, he ran for like over 200 yards as an eighth grader. Wow. He was literally 13. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's 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 unbelievable, really. Or maybe 14, but anyway. So, I mean, and, and Austin McPherson is one of those guys we haven't seen a lot of. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's happened in the past with some Walford backs. You know, they come out when they're a junior and they explode. Yeah. We've seen him on some kick returns some. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have Miller Mosley pulled up here, Mike. It was St. Paul's Episcopal. Yeah, St. Paul's Episcopal. And, I knew uh, it was something uh, For like Coach that. Steve Mask, as a starter, he was 38-4. and four. They won the state championships in both of his junior and senior seasons. He threw for 4,273 yards and 42 touchdowns. He added 1,978 rushing yards and 30 touchdowns. So he yeah. accounted for 72 <laughs> touchdowns. Well, if you think those are good, go look at McPherson's yep. high school stats. And I mean, so that's one thing we wanted to do is I'm not sure many people knew that, that both Miller yeah. Mosley and Austin McPherson played on the same high school. McPherson's a senior, or excuse me, a sophomore right mm-hmm. now. And like I said, sometimes it just takes it takes those young guys a little time to figure it out. Uh, Mike, I have it pulled up here. A five-year starter at yeah. running back for St. Paul's Episcopal with 9,021 <laughs> career rushing yards. During his senior season, he had 281 carries for 2,088 yards. He was named first team All-State. As a junior, he ran for 2,177 yards. He added 1,773 as a sophomore, 1,001 as a freshman, and ran for 1,027 yards as, as an, an eighth, eighth grader. grader. Yes, sir. So Austin McPherson <laughs> in high school, guys, 9,021 <laughs> yards. Dude. I'm telling you. And, and I just, you know, I get really bored sometimes, and I'll just go around sort of picking a player, and I'll kind of read what their bio, because I kind of think it's interesting who people's related to and all that sort of stuff. Well, when I pulled that up, and then I was like, wait a minute. 
I've seen that high school before because I had already looked at Miller Mosley and I was like, oh, yeah. they were high school teammates. And then I, I run into that. And I don't know, did they win the state both their junior and junior senior and year? Junior and senior year. And they're yeah. the same year, right? They, yes. they graduated the same year from high school. So these guys obviously have known each other before now. Uh, McPherson with, my gosh, what a high school career. Have you ever heard anything like that? That I've never quite heard of eighth grader running for a thousand yards. No, and I, is is the thing about him being on Sports Illustrated or whatever in there? Um, read, okay. read his bio. Yep, it says made Sports Illustrated's faces in the crowd feature in the magazine's November fourth, two thousand and eleven issue after he ran for twenty seven carries for two hundred and five yards and three touchdowns in his first ever varsity start as an eighth grader. All right, so when was he born? He was born in 1996. Okay, so when what when was that done? 2011. 2011. And the first game of the year had to be before September 16th. So that first game he was 14. Yep. 14 years old. And he ran for 205 yards and three touchdowns as a 14 year old against <laughs> 18 year olds with beards. Yeah. Yeah. So that shows now, that now, there's, some, now, there's some history there. We don't know exactly, you know who. Who Saint Paul Episcopal was playing, but still, still like that's yeah, that's I mean, crazy. That's that's pretty impressive. So yeah. we thought that was cool. Maybe some people, I'm, I'm sure some people already knew that he he and Miller Mosley were were um, high school teammates. But you know, Mike, it makes you think maybe McPherson had something to do with Miller Mosley coming to Walford. Maybe so, because I'm sure if they played together that many years. They got to be boys, and, and being at being at another option school, yeah. you know, maybe seeing, hey, this ain't gonna work out. Maybe he can call up his old buddy and say, hey, you went to Walford, right? Yeah. Uh, what's that like? So I, I don't know that that had any role with it. I have no, I have zero idea. I just I pointed, I saw that just looking around at the roster one day and thought that that might be cool to share. I thought it was cool. So, so there you go, guys. There's <laughs> there's some information you may not have known. Yeah, um, we may try to do that some more. Mm-hmm. Um, throw some information out there that. Maybe some people don't see all the time. Lord knows we got enough time to just piddle around and That's find true. those useless, yeah. you know, stats and things like that. <laughs> but Mike, before we end out today's episode, episode four, um, basketball season is upon us, and yep. we are recording on a Thursday. It's the ninth of November. The Terriers' basketball season will be or will begin tomorrow, which will be Friday the tenth, as they take on the reigning Final Four. I don't know what you call it. I guess they're not champions, <laughs> attendees. but attendees. What were they? The, were yeah. they the East Region champions? The East Region champion, <laughs> South Carolina Gamecocks. And yeah. He's a lunatic, but I love him. Frank Martin. Yeah. Uh, being the first opposing coach in the Jerry Richardson, what is it? indoor indoor stadium? Stadium. I got to get it right. Not yet. Yeah, please don't call it, it the right. indoor arena. Yeah, no. That's kind of a. That's kind of a running joke. That's kind yeah. of a the. I don't know. That's just it's repeating the same thing. Yeah. I don't know what is that an innuendo. I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. I didn't go to Wofford, so I couldn't tell. You. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Thanks, North Greenville. Yeah. Thank you, Go Crusaders. All right. So anyway, yeah. This this is going to be a great great thing. I mean, can Man, you imagine? Obviously, students are out camping to get yeah. tickets. Um, Gonna be a packed house, and we we tried our best to get tickets, Mike. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, I, I pulled out. Through. I pulled out all the stops. You did. I I hit up all of my Wofford people that I've known since I was just a wee toddler, <laughs> and I couldn't seem to. Since you were a six foot seven year old, <laughs> I couldn't seem to pull the trigger on any. So, 
If you guys have got a ticket, God bless you. Hope you enjoy it because we're going to be here at the house Watch streaming it, it. ESPN3. Streaming it on ESPN3, so that yeah. should be fun. But uh, no, just really exciting moving into this new building. I told you earlier, though, th- this this is going to have to get some old ghosts in it like the Benjo had. I think yeah. the Benjo had some ghosts in it, I think. I mean, it caused some other teams to miss. I mean, we've seen the likes of Steph Curry go down. I mean, it don't mean nothing. Who's who comes in there? We've, we've seen saw, the Gamecocks we've saw go Devin down. Downey go down. We've seen Sam Muldrow go down. We've seen some pretty good college players yeah. lose. Goudlock from Goudlock, College yeah. of Charleston, who ended up being the, with the Lakers. I mean, we've seen it year after year after year. The Benjo had something to it. Uh, it was just an old place. People just, I mean, it used to get so rowdy. Some of the best games, man. The Cochran Skinner years, the Dalman years. They're at the very end of it. I mean. The years we played Mercer there were super. Mercer would try to bring their bus down there with all their students, and it didn't yeah. do no good. A Justin Gordon three. Oh to win man, that, that win was that game. super. That was, uh, and I think I don't think either team got to fifty. No, it, it was, was like, like forty nine to forty nine forty six. Yeah. yeah, and I mean that was just so much fun. And that's I mean we're gonna miss that building, but it's gonna be so exciting to go into this new one. And I tell you what, Mike, let's kind of go through what to expect from this Walford team quickly. We may actually do a preview basketball episode i know that it kind of snuck up on us a little bit you it know did. fully engulfed in football season you're like oh crap basketball season starts tomorrow they play friday my yeah. goodness um yeah. so we may we may get a more in-depth episode uh maybe after maybe after football season um but hopefully football season goes far into the playoffs yeah, so i hope it's like we, christmas when we come out with it we hope you're waiting long for this walford <laughs> basketball preview waiting uh, on the edge of your seat folks. yeah i'm sure they are um but Mike, some guys that you obviously need to keep an eye on. Obviously, Fletcher McGee mm-hmm. and Cam Jackson, both juniors, um, both going to be the anchors of this squad. Um, you lose Eric Garcia, who was a really, a, one, I would say, the best point guard the Terriers have ever had. Yeah. Best all-around point guard oh, they've yeah. ever had. And they've had some good ones. You mm-hmm. know, Brad Losing was excellent. Um, Jabbar Diggs played a little bit of point. I know him and Losing was on that same team, but he ran points some. Um, they've really had some good point guards in the past, but I thought Garcia was the best. Yeah, and you I mean, know, it's going to be weird not having Losing or Eric Garcia at point for the last eight years. Those guys, it's been that it's way. Been those guys, it's, it's going to be kind of weird. Um, and it, and you know, this may be a, a point guard by committee. And Donovan Theme Love, who's a sophomore, uh, senior Derek Brooks may yeah. get some run. Freshman Storm Murphy, and you know, Storm Murphy may be that guy. Yeah, to to me, I thought Storm Murphy's film, his high school film, reminded me a lot of Garcia. I yeah. thought uh, Theme Love at times last year looked really good. I know he was sort of banged up. I think yeah. some last but he year was, he's he's smooth. He is very smooth, and I think yeah. is he left handed. He is left handed. So, and then you take in that into account, and then you've got. Brooks, who was a great defender, yeah, I've seen him block some shots that I didn't think were possible for a man of his height. Yeah, I think it was was it at Duke? He went and blocked somebody in North Carolina. He blocked the heck was, out yeah. of somebody. Yeah, and um, it was Duke. The Terriers play North Carolina this season. Yeah, so yeah, and and actually, I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but we're actually going to host Georgia Tech this year, mm-hmm. and then they're going to host North Carolina next year. Whoa, yeah. But see, how, here's how this works. You have to play like back to back at their place yeah. to get one game in Spartanburg. Mm-hmm. But I'm willing to take that every single year. I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, we will have tickets to that one. We wow. we we messed around and didn't get it for the game cost. We'll get it for the Tar Heels. I mean, if year. I have to like knock down, knock through the door and get arrested, I I got to try to get in there for that one. <laughs> Boy, I'd hate to be the cops and try to tackle you. <laughs> They're gonna have to bring the squad. They're gonna have to bring the SWAT team. <laughs> yeah, but. But getting back into the roster here, Mike, I think it's going to be a point guard by committee, but someone's going to need to step up. 
Um, we know how important, especially in this Walford offense and the and the scheme that Co- that Coach Young uh, implements. Point guard is huge, mm-hmm. and you can't turn the ball over. That was what was huge with Losing and Garcia, is they were, their turnover, you know, to assist ratio was some of the best in the nation, much less the conference. Yeah. So that that played a big and, that, and a big benefit in, in right. the success that the Terriers have. They're going to need that from whoever is playing point for the Terriers mm-hmm. this season. And as a point, those young guys, they just were trying to facilitate. And yeah. then as their careers got on, they relied on their scoring a lot more. And that was fun, right. fun for both of them. They were very similar in the way at the end of their career, they sort of burst onto the scene and had offensive you know, game all of a sudden. So I'm, I'm encouraged by it because we've recruited well here as well. You know, we yeah. talk about football. I mean, this basketball program is, is recruiting very well. We actually saw some guys on those recruiting visits. Yeah, uh, they were sitting right in front of us the the other mm-hmm. week. So, um, you know that that's encouraging. So we hope that uh, the Terriers can. You, you want to have a good show in here. The right. last thing you want to do is open this new building and just absolutely get dismantled. Fall, fall on your face. And yeah. granted, we're playing a really good South Carolina team, a team that went to the Final Four yeah. last year. Although but, it's a lot of new guys. Yeah. But no Thornwell, no Dozier, no yeah. Notice. Not some guys that you're used to seeing mm-hmm. for the Gamecocks. A lot of. Grad transfers, a lot of new faces out there. But still, there. a lot of talent. And a an lot S- of talent. And an SEC team at that. And so, but you want to hope that at home you can at least hang in there, play very well. And we've seen it before, Kevin. The Gamecocks can have – last time they went to Spartanburg, they went down. They did. Okay, we were there. We saw it. Mm-hmm. So, maybe we get some of that magic. Maybe some of the magic from the Benjo floats its way over across the Gibbs Stadium <laughs> all the way over to the new Jerry Richardson Indoor Stadium. And, Mike, you were mentioning some of the freshmen. Another freshman that I failed to mention that may may play a role in this in this point guard by committee is Trey Hollowell. He's a, a freshman guard out of uh, Hopkinsville, Kentucky. He was actually a big-time recruit. University Heights Academy. Yeah, he was a big-time recruit. He's 6'2", 185. Um, I've read some things where he they may need him to to play some this season. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I that have been, that has been getting some rave raving reviews is Keve Aluma. He's a mm. freshman. He is six nine two twenty five. He'll be wearing number twenty four for the Terriers. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Aluma out there this season as well. I think we may see his role uh, progress from everything I've been reading. Um, of course, joining him down low will be Cam Jackson and you know Matthew Pegram who. Really stepped up last year. He is he uh, the improvements that he made from his oh, freshman to sophomore years were incredible, and that really speaks to Coach Young and his staff. The developments that they made with 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 Pegram, and I think we're going to see him have a really good year this year. He's gotten foul trouble in the past. Mm-hmm. If he can limit that, and really, you know, Cam's done the same thing. He's been yeah. in some foul trouble and, and hurt. hurt. He's and been hurt. he's been hind- injured a lot. So if those guys can can limit can limit that, um, you know, the foul trouble. I think this team, although young, one senior in Derek Brooks, mm-hmm. although they're young, I think this team will be competitive. I mean, you got Nathan Hoover coming back, a sophomore who started down the stretch last year. Um, you know, Jalen Allen kind of went back to his six man role last year. Yeah. Nathan Hoover stepped in in that starting lineup and really played well. So you throw him out there with Cam, with Fletch, with Pegram, and whoever the point guard may be. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably going to be Theme Love. Yeah. Um, that's not a bad starting five. And you got no. some guys coming off the bench, you know, whoever those point guards will be, Storm Murphy, um, you know, um, Trey Hollowell. Um, then you got Derek Brooks coming off the bench if he doesn't start. You got Deshaun Lowry coming off, Trevor Stump. So you got some guys that's played a little bit 
Um, so they, although young, they have some experience. Yeah. And I and this may not be the best team the Terriers have ever had, but and they're obviously going to have to going to have to improve. Um, but I feel like this is going to be a competitive Walford squad. I think so too. And even when Walford's at the bottom of the conference, mm-hmm. they're always a team that that gives other the top teams in the league fits. They seem yeah. to every single year. So hopefully, you know, they start off basketball season hopefully with a win against the Gamecocks and then get them ready for the the football game that, you know, hopefully we can knock them off in football too. Hey, how about it? And we're Carolina fans, guys. Yeah. So. I mean, but I'm telling you, when it gets to that game, there won't be no, oh, I'm pulling for both teams. We or, bleed black and or, gold. Or, I'm, or I, I, I don't really want either team to win. I'm not going to watch it. That's the yeah. stupidest thing in the world. You better pick one and pick somebody. And it, it's an easy one for me. It's going to be Terriers all the way, baby. And my diploma says the University of South Carolina, <laughs> and I will still pull for the Terriers. I can't help it. Well, why in the world it. would you pull for them? I mean, how can you pull against Walford? They just don't you get. Can't. Yeah, they don't get enough love, yeah. which is one reason why we started this whole deal. Yeah, is the Terriers don't get any love, and we want to want them to branch out. We want people to know who the Terriers are, and really, basketball's got some people. They woke. We've we have woke them <laughs> in basketball in the past, um, and we're gonna fool around. We're gonna win us a tournament game before long. It's I happened. think so too. It's happened, but you know, good luck to Coach Young and his staff. Um, like we say, we'll probably do a pre. We'll probably do a preview episode. Um, for the basketball team, hopefully we'll do. If we do it, maybe during the. I tell you what, Mike, we'll do it in between the bye week. The the in first between, round bye. No, we're gonna do it before the national championship. Oh, okay. Uh, see there, All see right. what I'm thinking. I, I like your thinking yeah. there. Well, yeah. you know, talking about that staff, they're breaking in a new staff too. They are. So yeah. it's just a young team. It's gonna be exciting though. Brand new building. If you get a chance this this year, we hopefully you'll see us there. We're not gonna be at the first game because. I mean, apparently. Although, if you're listening to this on Friday and you have a couple of texts and you <laughs> want to throw it over to us, that I wouldn't be mad. I at would you. not but be mad. No, seriously, we're not going to get there. I feel pretty confident. If, if my people couldn't come through, then I doubt any of you have any tickets because I'm sure you'd want to go if you if yeah. you got any. But I want to throw it to two chubby guys and we'll stand but, there. But hey, we'll go for you. We'll, hey, yeah. we'll, we'll be we'll be pumped up. But. Um, like I said, hopefully this is a is a good weekend. Hopefully the basketball team at least has a good showing. Hopefully they get a win. I mean, you you hate to have moral victories, and then the football team's got to get a W this weekend. Got to get a. It's got to happen, and it's got to be a convincing one. I think this is going to be huge for their confidence down the stretch. They have got to have a game where they play a complete game. I know it's against an opponent that's zero and ten. Hopefully going to be zero and eleven. But you have got to play a complete game. I think that's the only way you go into South Carolina and have a respectable game. I think it's the only way take South Carolina out of the equation. Let's say we lose seventy to nothing to South Carolina, which I don't think is going to happen. No. But let's say that happens. You've got to have that confidence. Say, hey, we can play a full complete game. We've done it. Let's do it against the best in the country in the FCS playoffs. Yep. Now, the rankings are coming out later on tonight. So mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll tweet that out when it happens. Um, so, you know, I don't know what else there is to say, Kevin. I'm pretty much content with what we've done tonight. I think that's it. I mean, it goes without saying. The Terriers, like you said, need to play a complete game. They need to go to 9-1. and one. They need to get that automatic bid to the playoffs and then focus on South Carolina in a game that the Terriers are going to have a chance. Yeah, South Carolina has improved. They've improved this season. Uh, Coach Muschamp has done an outstanding job with what he's working with. But this Terrier team is experienced in some key positions, and it's one of those games where, I, and I guarantee you, South Carolina knows every time they've played Walford in the past, they've scared them. Yeah, and it's like a person that doesn't know anything about Walford 
told me an average Wofford team goes down there and scares the crap out of a good Carolina team. Yeah, like the Connor Shaw today. I know Clowney didn't play, but that year, Shaw, yeah. Clowney, Swearinger, all those guys on that team, and the Terriers did everything but yeah. beat them. And that was in that was in 2012. So that was a that was a good. We were good that year. Yeah, but. I mean, even years like, I think maybe 06, years like that, we went down there and I think we were one errant pitch away from winning that one. We were. So, you know, Walford can go in there and they can they can compete. And I think Coach Ayers, we talked about him so much, he's going to have them believe and they can, they, can make a, they can make a run for it. Oh, they're not going down there just to collect their paycheck and return no. to Spartanburg. They're no. going to go down there thinking they can win. Right. And I, and I believe they got a shot. Yeah, you've got to have that mindset. We, we've talked about how much talent they've got, and if they'll just put it together – I don't care who they're playing, they're going to have a chance to win. So, we'll get into South Carolina more next episode, which will be episode five. Mike, this was a good episode, I thought. Yeah. Um, i tell you what we need to do. If anyone, any former players are listening, if you had the chance to play against South Carolina in Williams-Brice as a Terrier, and you'd like to come on and kind of tell us how that went, what the atmosphere was like playing in Williams-Brice, feel free to contact us on any of our social media accounts, contact us directly, Contact us through the message board, anything, SoundCloud, anything um, or any way you can find to contact us. We'd love to have you on to kind of give our listeners um, kind of a feel of what it was like playing on the field at Williams Bryson. Last week with Michael Hobbs, again, we want to, we want to, you know, you know, send our appreciation to him for coming on a great interview. We've got a lot of good reviews saying that people enjoyed it. He, they liked a, you know, spoke very well of the program have his time at Walford and of course those great coach air stories so we'd like to get more former players on um so if you'd like to do that we're still taking people that want to be on we're still taking requests and uh we'll get you on as soon as we can Mike but I you know I want to warn people if if there's any people that's available right now they need to go ahead and get on yeah because once football season is over a lot of these players former players things like that who are coaching high school doing things like that are going to be on the agenda. So yeah. make sure this is a great time for you to come in and, and to share your experience about your time playing for the Terriers. And if you played against South Carolina, that'd be great as, as, as we play the Gamecocks next week just to sort of discuss that a little bit and tell us maybe what it was like. So thank you guys for listening to Episode 4. Episode 4, another uh, another really good episode. This this is really fun for us to do. We we yeah. talked about you know Walford and and pulling for them and things like that. And it's not just about them being the underdog. It's not about them being the hometown team. It's nothing about that for us. And I know a lot of people probably think, well, these guys, who do they think they are and things like that. Look, guys, we're coming here as humble guys. We're coming here to try to just just show some light on the terriers because they like like Kevin said earlier. They don't get a lot of love. They don't. They don't get a lot of love from leaving the local media, especially not from the national perspective. And you know what, Walford to me isn't just you know about Coach Ayers and all that stuff to us. It's about our Nana and Papa. It's about our family. It's about going to those games as a four and five year old and junk like that over the years that we've enjoyed that. Getting stung by a yellow jacket on your birthday at the App State game. Yeah, that happened to me. Right. But we won, so it was all worth it. <laughs> you know, and that that's what it's about for us. It's about our family. Just It's something that we've loved all of these years. So appreciate you guys for listening and um, allowing us to bring that to your attention and, and share some of our experiences with you guys. Once again, this has been Episode 4 of The Short-Haired Dog. You can find us on Twitter, at Short-Haired Dog. You can also find us on Facebook, at The Short-Haired Dog. 
as well as on SoundCloud at the Short Haired Dog Podcast. You can also find us on the Apple Podcast app at the Short Haired Dog Podcast as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike Bennett QFP. You can also follow Kevin at Kevin or, or is it K underscore K Bennett underscore five? Mm, dang, you've been doing it. You've been doing so good, Mike. I, I, you know, I'm always due for one blunder yeah. show. K Bennett underscore five. K Bennett underscore five. Thank you for correcting me there, because I <laughs> once again I don't have. I'm not very smart. Uh, so you're doing you're doing fine, buddy. North Greenville's doing a fine. Job. <laughs> they're training me up in the yep. way I should go. Not right? quite light up like Upstate did for me, but they're doing, <laughs> they're they're trying. They're trying. Well, appreciate you guys listening. Once again, the eighth-ranked Terriers need to go up to Lexington, Virginia, and get a win, and then get the automatic bid as SoCon Champions 2017. We got to make it happen. So, guys, we appreciate you listening. Go Terriers, and we'll see you guys next week. Go Terriers. Go T-Dogs. It's a celebration